Living Mark podcast show reads from the true legends and other tales of vampires and mystical creatures by Kevin Eads, E-A-D-S. Two legends. Kenneth Lewis Lewis was a rugged and handsome son of a large farming family in the Midwest. Unlike his family, though, he decided that farming was not the right career choice for him. As much as he loved and appreciated growing up working on the soil, he loved his classes more. His family pushed him for him to continue his education after high school. He started at Iowa State University earning his B.A. and M.A. in folklore, a subject he's passionate about ever since his eighth grade, te- grade teacher, Mrs. Pavlov, of course, regaled her students in myths and tales from her home country, Greece, before going on to the University of Iowa to finish his Ph.D. He's working on a thesis titled The Vampire in Fiction and Folklore. Now 30 years old, in the final stretches of his all his hard work. Keith was getting excited about the project of chasing a legend that had captivated him since his first watch Bedaglagosi in Dracula as a young boy in the living room of his farmhouse one late Saturday night. Keith didn't actually believe in vampires or any mythical creatures. He thought they were nothing more than the common fire stories people would tell each other late at night. His family told him to believe in God, farming, and the Republican Party in that order. They, that being said, he realised that a great deal of folklore and creatures and legends must have had their roots based in fact. He always felt that vampire stories were a combination of people's lack of understanding regarding death during early periods of mankind, as well as mortality tales to avoid engaging in illicit sexual activity. The funding of his trip to Bucharest was secured over the last sentence minister by his doctor advisor, Dr. Kathy Green, a beautiful 37-year-old woman with personal skin and deep red hair, one of the three instructors in the small but important folklore department in the university. She wanted him to continue his important research and finish his thesis. He met her with her regularly in a small in a, a small cracked office on the third floor. He also had a bit of a crush on her. Keith had, was excited about his upcoming trip. He'd only left the country twice, once when his father was to Sanskatawin and Manitobi in a farm exchange program to learn about the agro-business in the Paris region of Canada, as well as the summer in Quebec for French migration programme. Packed and ready for a week ahead of schedule, he went with Dr Green at her request. He met with Dr Green at her request two nights before departure at Rats Keller, a local bar well known to many in the university. They walked past a few students hovering over arcade games before finding a place to sit. For the last two years, he had only... Had, she, had not only counselled him, but also taught him in a few other classes. She wanted to get to know Keith more outside the classroom, 
setting as it she had always been captivated by the young man's piercing blue eyes and thick dark hair. She did her best to hide this from him, but not only out of respect for her own position, but also in respect for the youngest for the young grad student. Keith and Kathy talked at length about the backgrounds that evening as they sat in the dark booth corner booth at the bar eating pork tenderloin sandwiches and drinking German beer. She had grown much similarly to Keith, having been raised on a farm in northwest Iowa in a large Catholic family. Both sets of grandfathers had gone come from Germany. Her parental grandparents were born Jewish but converted to Catholicism in to hide from the Nazis while religion and farming were important to her family. Much like Keith, they also saw her future in education. So if Keith was going to Romania to study the vampire relations, the two of them discussed vampire movies, which was their favourites. Both stated the Roman prologue classic, The Fearless Vampire Killers, was at the top of the list. Both agreed that Bradley Lugosi played Count Dracula best, closely, followed closely by Christopher Lee. They also brought up the, some vampire novels that they preferred, and Kathy told Keith about once meeting Anna and Rice. They spent a few hours laughing and enjoying each other's company. After a few beers, Kathy opened up and revealed she had always found Keith attractive. She immediately regretted saying this and kept, sat silent in horror for a moment. Keith admitted that he too was attracted to her since he first sat in her class two years ago. Both decided they shouldn't pursue anything this time. Kathy was working on the tenure and Keith didn't want to do anything that jeopardised her chances. As they were leaving, Kathy touched his hand and said that she hoped they could pick up where they left tonight when he finished school. He smiled, gave her a gentle kiss on the lips and they both headed their own way. Realistically, he knew that someone was, would sweep her off her feet before he graduated, probably while he was out in the country. He tried not to get down without thinking that, and went home and dreamed of vampires. Keith made it to the airport in Dos Montes two days later. He was dreading the flights. He didn't get a connecting flight to Chicago, an airport he disdained. Then on to Toronto, London and France and Bucharest. A 16-hour day lay ahead of him. Fortunately, layover and O'Hare was long enough for him to take his connecting flight. He'd always hated O'Hare after being stuck there a couple of times overnight due to weather issues and found the staff to be rude. During his three hours stop in Toronto, he went to a nice restaurant inside the airport and had plenty of time to talk with a couple of attractive Canadian flight attendants. He found London's Heathrow a mess, but was able to find his flight at, by the time he arrived in Bucharest. He was assaulted. Dr. Green arranged for Professor Fren Deldka, a famous folklore instructor at the University of Bucharest, to meet Keith at the airport. He was now for his considerable knowledge of lycanthropy. He also happened to be his stereotypical absence professor. He had curvy, dishevelled grey hair, a short, untrimmed beard, thick glasses with a few layers of tape holding the bridge together. 
He wore, wore an old pair of jeans, a black shirt, half tucked, and, and a tweed jacket. He was also had highly passionate and quite eager to meet the young man. Keith was tired, but did his best to tell Frayne about his research and what he hoped to accomplish on his trip. Frayne told Keith that he'd briefly done research on vampires before moving to werewolves. I'm finding after finding too many stories that had mostly moral tales. He hoped that Keith would do have more success. The older man drove Keith to his house to unpack and told the young man to rest after a two hour nap. Keith got up, took a nice long shower, dressed, and the two men headed out to the local pub for dinner. Professor Dacia told Keith that he would seldom be aware in the house for a couple of months. He was going to book to book signing tour from Europe and eventually North America. That meant Keith would have to place himself set from the rare bakes when the professor would return from the tour. Keith slept solidly the night through to the next afternoon. He headed to the university library, a grand neo bulkhead work of architecture, to meet with Tavdia Luppi, a young librarian who, who had responded by email with him for the past few months discussing his work. A lonely, lovely young woman appearing to be in a mid- twenties with long black hair tied in a knot, took him to a quiet room in, in the back of the library and brought him a few old journals for him to go through. All the journals he would be reviewing survived the fire of 18, 1989, which burned more than half a million books of manuscripts, some were French, which he was fluent, others were Romanian, which he studied, unfortunately, others were in Belgium, Haragon, Haragon, Hungarian or Sovelek. Tamia spoke both Sovelek and Hungarian. She she could help him with those, but she also, but she they needed the help of an early man who worked at the library to translate Bulgarian for him. Tantanina stayed with him and read for the, for the first journal written in Sovelekian. It once belonged to Adriatic Bosco, a young barrister from Betsavlavia. I was dated nineteen six dated sixteen forty two. Told his journey to a rural community in the mountains where he came across a vampire, according to Adrian. Strange beings things began that second night in the village. After dinner he'd taken a walk into the woods, thinking his love take thinking of his love back home when he saw a beautiful woman in the distance. Though he claimed it to be love with his fancy, who lived in the city, he said for that moment the brief, the brilliant, beautiful stranger looked over at him. He was hypnotized, as if she had invaded his mind. Then walking towards her, before a local villager grabbed him and warned him to stay away from the forest at night, he was told that it was a creature lurking deep within, and it was, it was certainly consumed his soul. Angelie. Told, told, wouldn't believe what he was told. To him, it's a perception nonsense. That, though, would change. The following night, he lay in his bed. He heard a voice come outside his room. Someone or something called, called in his name. He followed the call. The voice came flash. He recognised a mysterious young woman from before, who led him to the to cabin deep in the forest. He was, he was, and, and. 
entrance. The two entwined themselves as soon they were having mad, passionate sex. One even nearly approaching the side end, she pulled out her fangs and her face turned into a beast. And she struggled to push her off, her off of him. Shortly before she could, she would surely kill him. He said, "He said an older man rushed in and pierced her, this creature through the heart with an arrow, shaped by, grabbed her by the hair and quickly cut off her head." After reading the story, both Keith and Tony believed it's simply a moral tale wrapped in the guise of a young woman man's journal. It was to warn people not to fall a victim of lust. They came across similar stories in other journals before they decided to stop for a day. That evening he sat alone at a nearby restaurant enjoying the local cuisine, a hearty dish of fried meal bowls along with the beer. Keith wondered if he was wasting his time. If all these journals were going to do be the same moral tales, why didn't he believe in real vampires? There was a part of him that believed that the creatures of myth may have come from something real such as rare medical condition or misinterpretation of some murderous, mysterious animal. The next few days, this yielded very little. Then after a walk, Keith and Tanya, and the, uh, Tanya thought they had made a, found a breakthrough. The old man, a library, translated the passage from Bulgarian journal from the late 1500s. What they read was fascinating. He told the story of a young man who been, came home to his father. He arrived looking ill. He had a punch of marks in his thighs and didn't remember how he'd gotten them. The story continued about a transformation, transformation of the young man. He became violent and the family tied him to his bed. As the transformation continued, the family had no choice but to call the village priest. The priest saw the fangs that grew out of the young man's mouth and noticed his need to be kept out of the sunlight. A priest told the family that his son was a vampire, and the only way to save him, his soul, was to kill him. The story ended with a priest calling in two strong men to hold the poor lad down, as a priest said a blessing and then cut off his head. The passage made Keith have second thoughts about his research. However, he soon discovered too many, two more journals in a couple of days that shared similar stories and were preaching, apparently not. Simple tales, tales. Little did Keith know, but he was doing his search. He'd been invested by a stranger, a short man, studying Keith. Didn't stand out in any crowd and had been issuing reports from the secret society that would soon be calling on Keith. After exploring the latest journals, Keith felt he was finally on the right path. He knew, now concluded that vampirism was a real disease that seems so more common in the area of the world to the Middle Ages through the late 17th century. It spread by blood, but since he was a doctor, there was no great deal. He did not yet understand. He hoped to talk to a medical professional at the university soon. Even with this new information, he felt that there was something missing from research. He wasn't quite sure what it was. He got he hadn't got his pulse on it. This frustration frustrated him, but he wouldn't be frustrated much longer. The man who briefly who had been secretly following him for the past few days delivered a letter to Keith one evening. The letter was sealed with an old parchment, the letter V 
in the dark red wax. It was a sensation asking him to be addressed two nights later. The mysterious host promised him that most of his questions would be answered if he would accept. Keith couldn't, wasn't sure what to think. He was determined to get answers. They decided that, would, that he needed to go. Next morning, Keith showed Tiana the letter and asked if she was willing to go with him, as it stated being a research, his research partner. She was nervous, look on her face, and then apologised, saying she'd already had a previous engagement. Keith was not was not upset by her saying no, but could tell she seemed uneasy about the interpretation. That being said, he was relieved to go alone. He had no idea what to expect. He made sure he looked in his very best for the meeting, putting it on the finest suit that he brought along, a black suit and a crispy grey shirt and a brown and a dark red tie. He would go business working on research that he'd grown up on the beginning of a successful of a, of a, of a beginnings of a scruffy bread beard. Well, he didn't completely shave it off. He trimmed it neatly. The gruff taxi driver noticed with a bushy moustache a fell breath delivered Keith to the address at 6.30 next night. Keith took a moment to stare up the large structure that appeared as if it, as it had one time served an elegant hotel. The gargoyles looming from above and ivory growing up the side. He rang the doorbell, an expressionless, gaunt young man, appearing to be in his mid-twenties, greeted him. He told Keith to follow him to the priory to meet the lord of the manor. Squiffish and art adorned the hallway leading to the parlour. Keith thought that whatever he was dealing with was rich beyond his wildest dreams. As he entered the parlour, he saw a pale blonde lady in a black volunteering area dress playing a haunting melody on the barbiscal. On the harp is called. The music made Keith feel that he was stepped back in time and caused the ship to go down his back down his neck. He then heard a call from the corner of the room. Startled, he turned to take a look. He saw a man sitting on a sitting on a red plush velvet cooch, holding a glass of wine. Keith made his The music to make Keith feel that he stepped back in time and caused the ship to go down his back. He then heard a call from a, from a corner room. Startled, he turned to take a look. He saw his man sitting in red plush velvet coach holding a glass of wine. Keith made his, his way over, took a seat. The man was unnaturally pale, almost semiotic skin. He had mid-length jet black hair with a streak of grey running through it and eyes so dark almost appeared black. He had also been in his mid he may have been in his mid fifties, but it was hard to tell. He was wearing a smart dark business suit. The man introduced himself as Adrian Vesselaire, the master of the manor. He offered him a glass of turquia, a plum wine. Keith found the wine to be quite strong but also also very enjoyable. Keith Adrian Asked the young man to tell him about himself, as they had at least thirty minutes of dinner with his serve. Keith was taken aback by everything. Think, 
trying to think about the way to say, which what, what to say, began by telling the pale host about getting up in the farm and spending most of his early life in a small agricultural community in Iowa. Before going away, away to college, he then opened up about his research. He told Adrian he was looking into the myths around new vampires. He was hoping to understand more of their origins. Adrian promised him that in due course of the evening, his questions would be answered, but first they had to enjoy the fine dinner. It promised to be a feast. Festive occasion. Keith told Adrian that while he was excited to learn as much as he could, he to as much as he could to further research he was equally excited to get pleasure Keith was taken aback by everything Trying to think what to say, he began by telling the pale host about growing up on the farm, spending most of his early life in a small community in Iowa, going away to college. Then opened up about his research. He told Adrian he was looking to the myths surrounding vampires, was hoping to understand none of their more of their real origins. Adrian promised him that due course of the evening, his questions be answered. But at first, they were enjoying a fine dinner. It promised to be a festive occasion. Keith told. Adrian, he was excited to learn that he, as much as he could to purpose his church and was equally, equally excited to take pleasure in the man's hospitality. Deep down, Keith had no idea what this man had to offer. Although he lived in an elegant house, Keith wondered if his host indeed had any amazing journals or if he just wanted to learn more about Keith's own research. Adrian told Keith, Dead kids to large day Adrian promised him in due course the evening's questions be answered, but first if Joy didn't find dinner. Promised to be a festive occasion. Keith told Adrian that he was excited to learn as much as he could do to further his search. He was equally excited to take pleasure in bands. Hospitality deep down, Keith had no idea what the man had to offer. Although he wanted lived in an elegant house, Keith wondered if his host indeed had many amazing journals, or he just wanted to learn more about Keith's own research. Adrian told Keith, led Keith to the large dining hall. It reminded him of lo- little dining halls from old classic horror films. The table was long and with elegant t- chairs, beautifully art decorated walls. The plates were made of the finest porcelain, and Stenwell appeared as if crafted by Tiffany's. The food itself was amazing. They served pheasant, goose, shrimp, beef, as well as a variety of fruits, vegetables. Sauces were rich in flavour. The wine was strong and gave this spread to a buzz. As they ate, a slim young man sat in the corner of the room playing a harp for the for the entertainment. About after dinner, Adrian called Keith to, to join him in his study. The room was small but cosy. In the it had a fireplace, more fine art, and a collection of rare old books. 
Keith sat down, and Adrian had already was ready to start an amazing tell an amazing story. The first thing that told that Adrian told him was that if it was real. Keith sat sat uncomfortably in their thought this man was a nut. Adrian told him that he was a was in a house with many vampires. Most of them he met that night had only with only a few exceptions. Adrian had told him that he was in the house of many vampires, many of whom he had met that, that night, but only a few, few exceptions. Keith tried not to laugh, but he presumed he was in the house of vampires, lifestyle role players. Adrian had told Keith that vampirism was not a disease, per, but more blood condition that brings about immortality. Keith sat still after Adrian spoke and looked at him in disbelief. Adrian understood that Keith probably didn't wouldn't stand it first, then he told him to be patient. Soon enough he was shown more, but he first he wanted to share his story. Keith stood up, thanked him for his qualifiability, but told him he didn't believe any any of this and was ready to go. Adrian exposed his then exposed his fangs, and Keith sat down, attracted Keith, Adrian told Keith probably he wouldn't believe him at first. He told him to be patient. Soon enough he would be shown more. But first he wanted to share his story. Keith stood up, thanked him for his stupidity, but told him he didn't believe any of this and was ready to go. Adrian had, to suppose his, had then disposed his fangs. And Keith sat down, now attentive to what a pale man host said. Adrian then continued with the story. He told Keith about he had been born into a local nobility. 1184. He had lived in his grand lifestyle with banquets, dancing, and on, and so on. His father had groomed him to take over his estate before he passed. Then he met, then he met other owner. He'd been married before, but this woman, but his wife died after birth. His only child, a boy called Adrian. As a young father, he longed to meet another woman. Upon seeing Isla, he hoped to be introduced to her. She was a beautiful woman, select for her nobility, and, to, and came to dance at the home of the agent's family. He was smitten. As the evening progressed, she called, in, called him to an empty corridor. Adrian was sighted to knowing no one would, would be around at the moment, as everyone was at the ball. Was at the ball. They found a quiet bedroom, and Adrian told Keith, that he knew him that were engaged in an act of intense passion. Keith thought this was the beginning of sound yet like another mortal mortality. Then, out of nowhere, she bit his neck and drained his blood. He passed out, then she, she then she cut her wrist and droplets of blood around his mouth. After long, he was a fully awake and shaking his mouth. You knew acquired things deep into her waiting lips and Mm. 
He had been married before, but his wife had been given birth to his only child, a boy, also named Adrian. As a young father, he had longed to meet another woman. Upon which, seeing Eleanor, he seemed to be he hoped to be induced to her. She was a beautiful woman, slept with nobility, come to dance at home with Adrian's family. He is smitten. As the evening progressed, she called upon him, called him to an empty corridor. Adrian was excited, knowing no one would be around at the moment, as everyone was at the ball. They found a quiet bedroom. Adrian told Keith that he and Eleanor had engaged in an act of intense passion. Keith thought this was beginning to sound like you get another morality pay. Then out of nowhere, she bit his neck and drained his blood. He, she passed out. He then cut his, her wrist and bled her droplets of blood drip into his mouth. Before long, he was fully awake and sank his newly acquired fangs deep into a waiting neck and partook of her blood. The next day, he wasn't quite aware of his fiction, and Elena told him that it was to come. He spoke with his family, although fearful. He knew he would had would do nothing to harm them. They set they set him up with a scheduled, secluded part of the basement where he would be safe. Owner told Adrian his new powers and weaknesses. Keith was curious and wanted to know what they were. Adrian said that in theory they were immortal, but they were of course ways to destroy vampires. The most effective way was cut off their heads, but no one would survive such an ordeal. Also to stake the heart was fit if only vampires were too weak to take out themselves, and that in time, that any blood unable to get up, take give any blood, take any blood, they would eventually inspire. Aidan told Keith about the myths, that, about the myths of false. Golly, it doesn't have vampires. They actually enjoy cooking it. Holy water and religious artifacts on the either. Aidan himself is a devout member of the Roman Roman Orthodox Church. He didn't cast reflection mirrors. I like the old movies portrayed. While his skin was allergic to sunlight, they would not easily burst into flame. They could not go out during daylight hours if they uncovered their skin. But if they if they if they covered their skin clothing or used long strong very strong sunblock, most of them would stay at daylight regardless, as it was they were naturally nocturnal. Adrian returned to his old, own story. Then he told Keith of how, after a couple of generations of a family estate, he ventured out his own with a sizable sum of money. He began a business of imports and exports in Bucharest and survived after a short time. Adrian always, had always enjoyed an extravagant lifestyle. It meant plenty of wealth and power. With the money from the estate and the income from his business, he was able to clue himself for long periods of time. He returned to a new generation, his family, in the guise of some distant cousin or uncle who had enough, passed out to arouse suspicion. This went on centuries. This is then in the early 1700s. He bought the present manor and started a new family, tired of being alone. He, let, he, well, he, he had descendants in a strict home. He wished no harm to come to any of them, always kept close to eye on them. He in, had turned a number of relatives and others into beings like him. They too lived an elegant life of opulence at the state and lavish lifestyle, similar to Adrian's own. Since that time, he had been lord and master of the house and reached into the uh, reached out to other vampire families for a year, making sure that their kind were living in the shadows without fear of human intervention. 
Keith stunned everyone. Tried it. Stunned by everything. Tried his hardest to think of anything to say. Adrian knew he wouldn't. He, he, that he would would have such a response. In turn, looking took the young men on the tour of Esther Manor. There were many chambers of house to each of the vampires. We seemed to take Keith down a dark unit, set a stair to a place where Keith felt extremely nervous. The first floor was a basement that was kept very, very was kept very cold. There were many refrigerators filled with blood. Most of the blood was from, from cows and other animals, what Adrian said. Many of was filled with blood. Most of it was from cows or other animals, which Adrian said was just as effective as human blood. However, there was human blood there as well, which was used for some of the elders of the vampires who lived one floor below and felt they above consuming the blood of animals, but did not interact often with the majority of the house. And Adrian did not think that, did not take Keith to that floor. Keith asked why he kept them around if it is really unwilling to perform. Adrian told them they were no a threat and that they were family. After the tour that went back to Ken Adrian's study, a young man and woman, lady both appearing to be in their twenties, walked in. Keith had noticed them in the dining room uh, earlier. Adrian introduced them as a co- co- grandchildren. Many across generation and late We did not interact often with the majority of the house, and Adrian took them, did not take them to that floor. Keith asked why he kept them around. He was unwilling to perform. Adrian told him they were not a threat and they were family. After that tour, they went back to Adrian's study. A young man, a lady, both appearing to be in their twenties, walked in. Keith had not noticed them at dinner earlier. Adrian introduced them as his grandchildren. Many a generation later, and last many new families of his bloodline. And the, the man's name was Alex. Looked older than she, and she somewhat resembled an Adrian with facial figures and hair. The young lady named Lucy was gorgeous. Keith admired her black hair and striking green eyes. She wore a long black dress and a corset, too, top revealing more than the hint of what lay beneath. Alex explained that he took care of many of the house's accounts and finances. Lucy acted as a liaison for her grandfather, local community. Neither of them vampires. Adrian later told Keith that Alex aspired to be like himself one day, but Lucy did not. As Adrian poured Keith a glass of wine, he implored the guests to share the true story of the vampires and origins, the conditions, the current lifestyle. He hoped the book would be written in a folklore manner so that the, the true story came out. Most people would not actually believe in vampires. Keith found that strange. Why share the truth and hide it? Adrian told him if it was revealed they were indeed real, panic would you. But it, it could be told in a way of legend. No one would actually believe it. Keith still, still doesn't understand the reasoning, but wanted to learn all that he could, so he went along with the idea. Adrian informed Keith that he was the current 
head of the Vampire Council of Europe and they obtained the permission of other major houses to have Keith visit with them, learn of their house histories. Lucy would have scaled him. They were they they were they were left, left in two days. Well, let, first visit Budapest, then Prague, Vienna, Rome, Barcelona, London, Paris, and finally Berlin before returning home. Keith was both nervous and excited. He learned one of the greatest secrets in the world. Now he'd asked to tell his story to their kind in a way that no one would ever know they actually exist. When he found it, but while he found it strange, he also would have. A chance to, to travel through Europe on the council's the council dime. On top of that, he's going to go do it with a beautiful woman. Next morning, Keith went to live and told Tina he was going to be be taking a trip through Europe to learn more about the vampire myth. Tina asked what information he obtained the night before. Keith wanted wanted to keep vampire secret. Told her she got a ch- chance to meet some people with practice like lifestyle that learned from early anime novels and was engaging in role playing games. He was going to visit another similar group in Europe to understand why uh, He was going to go visit cinema groups in Europe to understand what why is that why they diff, diff they identified vampires. Keith, however, had more and more interesting one more meeting before he took off. It was with a doctor at the university. Tony went along. The doctor advanced in years, declared he had nothing to lose by sharing that he knew about vampires. What followed proved to be fascinating. He told the two he had a rare condition that made people crave blood. They had a need to drink blood, but it didn't make didn't didn't need to be from humans. He actually performed a surgery on one vampire many years ago in a secret government experiment. Upon examining the head, he discovered two extra teeth in the mouth that would make it easier to bite in, into an animal or a human and take their blood. After the body seemed to have a sun energy. But the skin did not erode like the one that they had needed to drink blood, but they didn't need to be humans. He actually performed surgery on one empire many years ago, a secret government experiment. Upon examining that the head, he discovered two extra teeth in the mouth that made it easier to bite into an animal or or human, take their blood. Also, the boy seemed to have a sun energy, but skin did not erode like one learned in the books and the movies. The doctor had no idea how the vampire he said it was, as the creature had always been, already been dead for a couple of days, with his head separated from the body. At the end of the meeting, the old man and the vampires said the vampires were real. He didn't claim to know everything, but I hope to one day get a chance to see a living one and study its blood. He wished that he could be more help. Keith and Tanya thanked the doctor and headed back to the library. After the, along the way, Keith suggested the doctor described was a condition that could help people deliver believe in a legendary creature. 
He had to be careful how to present it, though. There was one subject studied by many doctors many years ago. It was off the record. Keith thanked for the thanked for help. Promised to meet up with her. Then he returned from his trail travels to tell her more that he learned. He, of course, would tell her that he was able about actually harming. Uh, and it, he he thanked Tony for help and he promised to meet up when he returned from his travels. Tell her what more he learned. Of course, would could tell her that he was able to without clearly harming those who hide the right about. Next morning, Lucy and Keith were at home. He was staying. She, they took her to the tra- train channel station. She, Keith was thrilled to, to take a train through Europe and watch movies of people traveling in such a way in the United States. It wasn't a very convenient way to go, but, Europe, but in Europe, it made sense. Once aboard, the two discussed the upbringings of Keith looked out upon the beautiful beauty of the countryside. He was entranced by both the landscape outside and the beauty of the lady inside, beside him. He arrived in Budapest, took a taxi to Budapest house, known as the House Magara. His excellent-looking structure that appeared to be a small mansion. It was a residence of only a few, as most of the city empires, <coughs> according to Lucy, <coughs> lived in a secret lair. He greeted it by its leader, Dante Kovic. Dante looked only 39 years old, but was more like 230 years of age. He had long blonde hair with a streak of black running through it and was dressed in an all-black suit with red ruffles. He was a very pleasant man and was thrilled to see Lucy, as he had known her since he was a little girl. Dante showed his personal story and then took the two on a journey below. Stay Stepping down to the basement, Keith heard what sounded like water. After walking down the long corridor, they came across an underwater, an underground water reserve, that, which looked like a very large lake. He boarded a small boat, similar to a gondola, and drifted down the reservoir. It, it reminded Keith of the James Moon movie from Russia Love, when Karen... Bay took a bomb beneath the city to spy on the Russians. As they approached the small dot at the end, they came across what appeared to be the outside of a building. In reminded Keith of Petra, each city drawed on due to its Greek style facade. He walked through the main door and met with many of the city's vampire community. On the first floor was a modern techno darts club where the young vampires could rave throughout the night. They could take a, a few non-vampires and feed them. Dante told Keith and Lucy not not to be concerned. The victims were hypnotised so they would not remember a thing and not enough blood was taken to harm them. On the next floor was a boiled room that looked like something out of the 1700s where the dressed vampires were dressing to classics by Mongol era. There were two more floors which held apartments for the vampires. Keith was impressed. After a lovely, lovely dinner on the main floor, Dante encouraged Keith and Lucy to go and mingle with the crowds and dance. 
It had been marked by Dante with a drip of his blood of each of, on each of his foreheads to make sure that no harm came to them. Lucy, being younger and full of life, really enjoyed the rave club, and they they drank and danced through the night, always observing the way that younger vampires interrupt, interrupted. Many seemed to follow a mating ritual, bowing, bowing and dancing for one with the other. They wanted to copulate. A couple of women came across close to them, but when they saw Dainty's mark, they rushed away quickly. Although they were hardly spoken to Keith, Keith learned a great deal by watching how they related to each other. <coughs> Keith and, and Lucy spent the next two nights in Budapest exploring the sights, shopping and dining for the day and spending time with Dante during the evenings. Keith took more pictures during those two days than he had during the whole trip. He took many notes as he spoke with Dante, learning about the culture of the area, the differences between their house and one that would progress. The biggest difference was how that many in the Bucharest vampires had no problem taking blood from the human population through his notice, making sure only ten people can be turned in, given, in a given ten years to, so to keep their population reasonable. Early next morning, Keith and Lucy boarded a train to Plague. Keith had never been had been seen such a beautiful city, he was instantly enchanted by the hundreds of red roofs and old Gothic churches. Lucy suggested him to join in Tanya's Estonia, her in Tanyan Estonia, in the fall to observe many of his this type of this type of scenery. Upon arrival, they were welcomed by Elizabeth Query, head of the house Prague. She was an elegant lady who wore a crown. Similar to what Keith has seen in the painting of the famous Elizabeth both Balfroy. It seemed to have come from the 1500s. She was friendly to Keith and Lucy, but stern to the two servants of Tender. He told her history and been turned by a suitor from Transylvania in 1584, when she was only 25 years old. Elizabeth had heard of the house, had been the head of the house since, since the previous leader, been killed by vampire hunter between the world wars. Keith asked about these hunters if there's anything like the movies. Elizabeth has told them there were many reformed monks paid by locals to hunt vampires, but most have retired after the last world war since the vampires retreated to their mountains and stayed out of the countryside. By the far, the house was a former grand hotel, was taken over by its after the Second World War, it didn't suffer much damage, and what damage it had was quickly repaired. Elizabeth didn't give a tour on the mansion, but said took him to city tour the city. She pointed out the inhabitants that were run by members of her house and nightclubs as the, that they frequented. He ate late dinner and one of the city's finest di- dining establishments, where she answered another question Keith had for her. Keith asked about legends such as Dracula and Elizabeth Belfry. According to their hostess, Dracula, otherwise known as Vlad, was a great warrior and hero to his people, but not a vampire. She then shared a story about Elizabeth, who had been born a few months before her. The two ladies met in a dance when she and a buddy countess, both in their late teens, the future Chiyokuba, seemed much, such a sweet little girl. 
Years later, when the crimes, when crimes of Elizabeth Balfour came to light, Miss Henry was shocked. She said that while Burnfield was not a vampire, a legend grew and made her many in his own community uncomfortable. They had survived a number of vampire hunters. Miss Creaney told them she went into hiding deep in the old castle for a number of years until the hunts died down for a while. For Keith, it was this was fascinating. Lucy thought it felt a bit uncomfortable. She could tell by the way Elizabeth was looking at Keith that the vampire wanted to have away with him. Lucy didn't want that. Although Elizabeth did have eyes on Keith, she suspected that he was working for Adrian and who was instructed by him to make sure the young man was untouched. Rooms were prepared for both Keith and Lucy in the, the building across the street, the House Prague, a hotel that was owned by a group, and served as a hotel to the wealthy. Keith was stunned by lavishness, having never stayed at anything close to his this nice. His room was adorned with exquisite art, and he had his own hot tub. There was a view of the city that was extraordinary. There was reservations for three nights. He looked forward to each and every one. Elizabeth, as I told him, Elizabeth could take Keith and Lucy around the city in the evenings, so the two explored themselves during the day. Explored by themselves during the day. Keith continued to make, take pictures, many of Lucy. For lunch on the second day, they stopped at a small bistro specialising in local cuisine. They danced at El Fresco, and between bites of the house special day that day, checked that dish. Lucy opened up a bit and told Keith more about the past. She was born in Bucharest. Her mother eventually found out a family secret about Adrian, and being quite worried, took young Lucy, then nine, her brother to the United States as far as from the vampire menace as possible. Her mother didn't stand that Andrew was not a threat but a protector. They initially moved to Jackson, Michigan. She felt very strange at first, being the only one at school with an accent. But in the years to come, it mostly disappeared. Keith now understood why she and her brother didn't have a strong accent of the region that they should have had. Should have had. Lucy said that Jackson itself was nice enough city. Within a year, she started to fit in with her peers. During many summer nights, her mother would take her Alex to the Cascades, where which was sort of water and light show. She turned when she turned fifteen. Her mother met someone new, and shortly after that, married. They moved to Toledo, Ohio. A great stepfather was also a successful businessman in that city. He's friendly, but many times distance, get not getting overly involved in her and her brother's lives. Lucy told Keith that she was moved forward twice in her class and graduated from high school when she was 16. They, they said she was had a great time there. She was rather popular. She was a cheerleader and lectured at the homecoming court. She had even earned a, a book to learn to play basketball and volleyball. Well, not the best player at her t- team, she enjoyed the game. She also was in the major theoretical productions at school. After graduation, she attended Iho University in Athens. She loved the school and told Keith her dorm room was haunted by the spirit of former resident. She studied elementary education after f- uh, finishing a degree and went 
on ahead to Iowa State in Columbus to meet her, ma- get her masters. At this time, her brother told her she was going. He was going back to Maine to work for their grandfather, who would pay five times what he was making at his job back in Toledo. He asked her to come along and work for him as well. So rather than going straight into teaching after graduation, she went to work with her grandfather as well. Lucy felt that she wanted to experience everything new. Besides acting as a liaison for him, she had prepared gen- genealogies of many members of the Empire community as it was a skill she learned while in college. Through, though she had only been in Romania for two years, she was debating returning to the United States before long. Lucy said that Alex had definitely remained in Budapest, as she was certain he would become a vampire within a few years. As much as she would miss him, she knew that he was in a different path, and he wished the best for him. His grandfather supported her in the decision. Keith asked why she didn't want any mentality. She didn't. She believed she, she could work only one, live one life, at least she sh- that she should. While she loved her grandfather, there was there was some there was some in his house that made made her uncomfortable. They craved blood, human. They craved human blood. She told Keith Nick, next was off the record. Her grandfather had a prison, a handful of prison vampires in the third basement. One couldn't, one didn't mention because they'd gone to on the Kingsbury 1950s and they first for human blood. Adrian didn't take it to heart to kill them, instead imprisoned them for 100 years as punishment. After that time, they they would be given another chance. Keith understood why it was to be kept secret and promised that he would not say a thing. He was pleased to know that, about Lucy. And the more she spoke to him, the more feelings he grew, grew in his heart. But they both knew his time in Prague was over. They made their way to Vienna. In Prague, House Vienna was led by Lady Leyda Bruch was not a young and stunning beauty like Elizabeth. She appeared to have been in her early fifties, black hair with had black hair with some grey starting to show, and hid her figure in a modern business suit. Although stern in appearance, Lini had a very friendly voice, was much more kind at her staff than Elizabeth was early. She was more like Adrian than the other house leaders it met. Lindy was in Pleased to see Lucy and asked her if she was still planning to return to the States to go teaching. She told Keith she had been a school teacher herself for many years, up till she was turned in 1899. Afterwards, she helped the members of the house and was soon second in command, so to speak, when their leader was killed in the last attack of the vampire hunters. She took over the house Vienna and was happy with her new duties. She took an interest in their lives in, such as in each of the members. She made sure they all followed the rules, most importantly the rule to do no harm to any human. None of the other European houses allowed members to take blood from humans, as long as they didn't kill them. She didn't know this. Blood was supplied by a blood bank that she owned, and that was the only supply. No vampire took more than that was needed. She really wanted the vampires to live as humans as possible. Even, even in their condition, it was obvious that she saw herself as her mother, and she wanted the best lives as, for them as possible. Most of the vampires in the house had jobs in the community, while they didn't need her money. 
for the house itself had millions in the bank. Linnea wanted the members to contribute to society. Most of them worked in the blood bank for the, or another business that was owned by the house. Some worked three or four days a week for six, five to six hours at a time. Keith was impressed and felt Lindy was an incredible leader. Lindy said that of all the house leaders, Adrian respected the most. After dinner, there was a hostess, a private affair, a restaurant owned by the house. Linnea took took them to Grand, Grand Ballroom, also by the house, where Lucy and Keith danced the night away to classic ballroom dance, including the famous Viennese waltz. Much like Prague, Venia was elegant beauty. Was, they were areas in the city that appeared to have come from another time. The Brooklyn architecture, the cobblestone streets, and people themselves, lively and vibrant. Keith loved being here, being here, and on the second night, he took his carriage ride with Lucy, taking in the sights. Before they left the city of Italy, Lena told Keith and Lucy about Vienna in a house in Rome and Barcelona. She said while they were in good standing, the council still had suspicions of questionable behaviour. She told them while they told them that while they may be safe due to engine mark, stay vigilant and regardless. Lucy had already told this to Adrian yet, still made it her uncomfortable at going. The train ride from Rome was stressful as neither Keith or Lucy knew what to expect. Lucy had never been to the house below Salona, and even visited House Rome once for about an hour when she was in a brother were coming home back from a business trip. When they arrived on the estate, they were warmly greeted by Vinto Pagiuli, a tall and thin balding man with black, 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 black goatee. He looked more like a priest out of uniform than as anything else. Vito was living lively and quite charming and acted like he was old friends with both Keith and Lucy. He told them he would only be free to speak with them at night as business operations kept him tied up the following few days. He made reservations for them at the old hotel near the Vatican. He knew this, Lucy knew that this would be quite a distance from the house. Um, and she figured out he must be hiding something to keep them away so far. Vito escorted Lucy and Keith to the main banquet hall. They dined on Italian f- f- favourites, including large antipastic platter, spaghetti carburetors, Lucy, lamb cooked to perfection, all this while enjoying goblets. Of Frank Seedy, a white peculiar, white peculiar to Rome. The house fed regaled in two, two, the two stories of his past, including one being a village priest before being turned. Peter still had a love for the church and went on Saturday evening mass to this day. After dinner, Vito took home them to a tour. House itself appeared modern from above floor, as the old one had been destroyed in the Second World War. He told them that there was still a part that was ancient. As they ascended the stairwell that was led to the basement, things changed. First, the stairs seemed to go on forever. The longest steps that Keith had gone, gone down. At the bottom, there was a large, cavernous 
area that appeared to be an underground city. Keith told us that it reminded him of the dwellings of the vampires in Paris. The movie adaptation of the interview with the vampire. Second, there were many vampires along and staring at them. A few even came up and sniffed. Peter warned them not to touch Keith and Lucy, telling them they had been detected by Adrian, the leader of the house in Florence. Peter assured his guests not to worry. No harm would come to him in Rome. The old former face could tell how uncomfortable the two of them were, so they were, they all returned upstairs to his study. He knew that may, that the many in the house had become restless in the past few weeks. He was unsure of the reason. He was going to find out, which is why he didn't come available for the next few days. When the basement said he may seem anonymous, Vito informed them that the vampires of this house were older, and after the last second war, many were afraid to come out, preferred to live in the deep shadows of the city. That Keith, uh, Keith and Lucy could understand. Vito asked Keith if he was Catholic, to which he replied in the affirmative. Having grown up in a small town in a small parish where he had served as an altar boy for many years, with that, a host suggested they should visit the Vatican first thing in the morning, then the Consolinium, but they shouldn't. They should leave the city before nightfall. Neither Keith or Lucy asked why, guessing it was due to the restlessness of vampires. They thanked him for his gracious hospitality, but began to. But before they left, Vito wanted to know if he been. If he'd been warned about the house of Rome, Q informed him that it had been indeed duly warned. Warned. Rita understood and was not offended. He then cautioned them to about the house by Barcelona, had dangers and not be careful. He left the house and headed to Hotel St. Peter, an old, very elegant hotel, to spend the night. The next day, Keith and Lucy made their way. By foot to the Vatican, Vito arranged for them to have a special tour. Lucy, though Roman Orthodox, stood in awe of the beautiful architecture of statuary. Both were speechless upon entering the sister Sistine Chapel containing Michelangelo's famous painting, only seen by them in history books. He gained, gained, Keith has gained, gained a new respect for the faith he grew up but had grown apart from in recent years. He felt he was spiritual. He connected that day and hoped to return to the church when he got home. After the tour, they had a late lunch. He visited the consulium and finally made finally when they made their way to Rome's terminal range station. Neither looked forward to Barcelona. Keith had a bad feeling. He never had he never had to find out why. And now after leaving the station, Adrian called Lucy's cell phone, told him to switch trains and immediately head to London instead. Lucy asked why, but Adrian said he feared for the safety of Barcelona. They got off on the very next stop. Already unnerved by the call, they felt as if they were being watched by a mysterious man in a trench coat who appeared to be Looking their way, they were relieved when they saw him run towards a young lady who was standing near them. The trip to London took eighteen hours. They missed most of Italy's landscape. It was a nightmare, but awoke to find France, French country blooming with yellow sunflowers 
and many varieties of sheep staring at the passer-by. St- then at last they entered the channel to England, where they make, which made Keith a bit nervous. In London, greeted by Boris Duncan, a giant of men, he towered over the young couple at eight, six feet, eight inches, and very muscular. He had a shaven head and no facial hair. Boris had been born a slave in Jamaica in the 1700s and already taken by his former owner to London where he was 30 years old. Shortly after arriving, he was turned into the creature of the night, as it as was his former minister. He spoke with a strong Jamaican accent, which jokingly admitted he would never be able to do, be, do away with. He dressed in a modern pious troops suit and walked along using an ash walking cane, which ended his Having interviewed long ago on a sugar cane plantation, he laughed about it and told them that he thought the stick might look him not more dignified. Boris was at all had was perhaps Adrian's closest ally among the European houses. Both Lucy and Keith could see why. In addition to being friendly, he was very open and honest about that from the moment they met. They drove. They drove to the house of London. Boris met the two of them. They, there were some some problems along among the. I told them too. There were some problems about among the vampire communities in Europe. The smaller houses, Manchester and London, allegedly been trying to take their present, make their presence known, humans by attacking them publicly in areas of high traffic, which is still hearsay. There was unrest amongst many. Keith told, asked about the Burstone and why they used to stay clear. Boris began to first telling them about all the problems stemmed from House Moscow. House Moscow, along with the others about throughout Europe, was never part of the Empire Council, though ten were deemed members, such as Oslo, Copenhagen, Walsall, and Wellers Manchester from Liverpool. Houses always agreed to stay in their shadows, while some of the vampires that attack humans is always covered up as if the person was killed. Most, though, if they wanted a human, would hypnotise them and only enough blood they were needed. Most of the communities owned blood banks, and their, the others brought blood animal blood from local butchers. Most, however, wanted to start a new council, allegedly were in meeting with some members of the smaller houses, as well as new communities that were yet recognised by the council, current council such as Hotel Barcelona and Hotel Helsinki, about, about taking the vampire community of Europe, as well as making their presence known to humanity. Keith and Lucy were very uncomfortable. Shortly after arriving at the House of London, the, the man of, of Boris's former master was killed by vampire hunters in the 1800s. Boris was greeted by one of his most trusted friends, took Bruce aside and equipped spoke to him privately. Boris ordered the two quick of to quickly get back into the car and they were heading to Paris. Keith asked why. Carries informed him that the members of both houses of Liverpool and Manchester were spotted in London. The fear was they were interested in Keith and Lucy. In his usual manner, Boris joked that he wasn't being mentioned much as the cuisine of his country was rather land. Hours later they arrived at the Hotel Paris and ran Estate of the country, Boris introduced a grey, grey biscuit. Guy looked at Christopher Lee of the old Hammer films. While Lee was in his sixties, his handsome 
movie star appeal dressed in the fashion of the 1920s, wearing wide leg pants and sporting a barret. Guy welcomed him into his state. It's, the house itself was quiet. Guy had sent many of his members throughout Europe to gather information. Guy had been spied in the First World War when he'd been turned. He was so successful he worked similarly during the Second World War. Now he's an intelligent program for the whole European houses. Guy was had a fine dinner prepared for Keith and Lucy, and one or two at he met with Boris in private. Keith did his very best to keep Lucy's mind at ease, knowing she was nervous. Though he although he had many fears himself, he knew that from now on he, he had best to hide them in order to make his young lady feel comfortable. Keith and Lucy were both very tired from all their troubles and headed upstairs to their rooms. On the way, Lucy asked if Keith stayed with her and told with her and told her at night that she was feeling uneasy. He did not held a woman. He not held a woman since his last relationship ended a couple of years ago. Keith propped himself against the old man's headboard of the massive bed in Lucy's. Room. He remained fully dressed at the top of the sheets. Lucy changed into a light blue nightgown, being rid of after riding, ridding herself of a restricted corset. Keith couldn't help but notice the silhouette of her form beneath the sheer fabric. He wanted to make love to her, but it wasn't the right time. He knew she was afraid, and his job tonight was to protect her. Lucy called over to him, and wrapped, he wrapped his strong arms around her. They both gazed at the moon shining through the transformed window. She shivered and nestled in closer. But soon she heard, he heard a soft and slow breathing and told him she was asleep. He gently lifted her to trussles away from her face and gazed upon his beauty, beauty wrapped in his arms. Keith closed his eyes and knew he was in love. He woke to find Lucy l- looking up at him with her right arm across her chest. She smiled, cheeked, stroked the cheek and pulled him into her kiss. They united a kiss, and just beneath the surface, as they quickly dissipated all clothing, began exploring each other feverishly. She shivered once again, not due to fear of vampires this time, but as Keith enveloped a naked body of his own, tracing the contours of her bosom with his lips, making love to her. After they showered and dressed, they went downstairs, and a simple breakfast was pasty, Coffee awaited them. Guy joined his guests and told them they were not to be going to, to Berlin and needed to go back to Budapest that evening. Keith asked why and was being informed that Hotel Hasmusco was getting ready to make a major move in the next day or so, but he and Boris was unsure what that meant. It was believed that the two would be safer if they returned to Adrian. Keith and Lucy spent the day in Hotel Paris despite the unknown dangers possibly awaiting them. They freely explored all the rooms and each other. Before returning to Romania, Guy presented them with a mysterious, massive, marvellous dinner, told them more about his family as an intelligent officer. As Guy was pouring each glass of a black currant liqueur toppled with white wine, Keith had a question about his host that he didn't thought he hadn't thought of till now. How many vampire houses in America or throughout the rest of the world? Gary said that Europe was the strongest vampire presence, followed by Asia. As they sat down to feast, including a feast assortment of cheese, 
two in a beef, onion, soup, and burgers, real butter. Guy continued. Vampires, he said, were originally in the voice. They were created by Leaf. She had laid, when she laid with the demons, they spread throughout the old world. But vampire hunters all but eliminated from Africa. Now the only houses in, in Cape Town for a secret location in Ethiopia. In Asia, there was strong presence in Japan and South Korea, as well as Russia's coastal part cities of the Pacific. Guy said there's still small present vampires in the Middle East, original home of all vampires. But most have fled to the houses in Georgia and Armenia. Keith then asked about the New World. Guy replied that as far as South Africa was concerned, there were only houses in Argentina and Chile, three houses in total in North America. There was a house in Montreal, Quebec City, had a fact in New Orleans. There had been and never been a strong presence outside the world, and vampires had made sure they never expanded. Guy then added that there were no reports of presence in Australia, though there were rumours they were never sustainable. Substated. Keith acquired a knowledge of information tonight and planned to use it for his search. Soon after some coffee and a small small tart, fruit tart, Keith and Lucy bade farewell to their host and were taken to Paris station to head back to the Hotel Budapest. Train ride seemed to go forever at first, Keith, but then Lucy laid her head on his shoulders to sleep. Everything seemed all right in the world. As they left Budapest Station and got into a taxi, skies as it turned grey as the black storm zoomed in. They made it to the house at night before the storm hit, but once aside, it soon took over yet another storm. It went from room to room, calling it to agent, but anybody but the house seemed empty. A few minutes later, lightning flashed and electricity went on. Keith and Lucy lit a cruising crossing lamp to see a once a vampire unfamiliar Keith ran in. Lucy recognized him as Vlad, a young twenty year old, turned to the nineteen eighties, though named after the country natural hero. He was more of an outsider in the house, coming and going as bees. However, he did follow rules when dealing with humans. Lucy asked Vlad where everybody was. He delivered the bad news a couple of hours late earlier. He said that what appeared to be a strike team in full uniform were wearing masks. They took Adrian with them in a the van before shooting and killing many others, leaving them for dead they they second level of the basement. They had been watching from the outside. He waited till they all but left and then he entered and discovered all the carnage. Shot he ran off. Once he saw Lucy and Keith he was able to work safe return. Keith asked if Vlad had any ideas who was behind it. But Vlad admitted he couldn't recognise anyone, but voices he did hear were muffled. He knew it was a conspiracy, but what what avail? He had no answer. Three minutes later, Keith phone rang to Boris. Boris told him the leaders of Berlin, Berg, Budapest, St. Petersburg, Roman had been abducted, and he and Guy just managed to escape and were on the way to Budapest. They were boarding a plane. Now and now would arrive in four hours. Keith informed them that Adrian was taken as well. Keith and Lucy believed there's nothing to worry about at the moment. And whoever took Adrian wouldn't be back, couldn't, wouldn't back, come back for humans. So they decided to stay put until Guy and Boris arrived. 
Electricity restored within an hour. Shortly after, therefore, a phone, phone doorbell rang. The rain was filling, it still rang, rang, falling. When it, now a new pitter patter. Keith opened the door. It was Tatiana. A hands in a letter, in her hands, a letter that was given a library a couple of hours ago. She was to deliver it to Keith. It's very nice. Then he said he had to go. Told Keith to be careful. The bell filling it is. He asked the young woman. Lucy asked who the young woman was the, uh, was after she left, and Keith replied that Tanya had helped him with his search in library. She opened a letter. The opened a letter, told him he wanted to see Adrian Livy. He had to come to Purley Castle the night following night alone. That was all. Lucy wanted to know, wait for Boris and Guy. They would know what to do. Just then, Vat called in the emergency to the main living room. On the television, the news team was delivering a report to the <coughs> news team was report His hands was a bit in the library. They always say, you've told the deliverer to Keith this very night. Then you turned to go and told Keith to be careful. Lucy asked the young woman after he left. Keith replied, Danny had told him. We searched the library. He opened the door. He told him it was, he wanted to see Adrian live. He needed to come to Percy Castle the following night alone. That was all. Lucy wanted to wait, but Guy, Bowers, the guy, he knew what to do. Just then, Vlad called in an emergency to the main room. On the news that night, was a team reporting that the port of plane crash, a plane charter jet heading for Paris to Bucharest exploded before takeoff. Cleef knew that that was Boris and Guy's flight it was now a loss to what to do. He had no plan of attack, not knowing why Adrian and others were taken. Vladimir called a legend that was started, stated that the most powerful leader of the European houses were killed. He died devoured by one of his one challenges authority that one would become the new leader of his continent, take the new game powers with him. As Adrian was currently the oldest, having let, lived there for centuries, he had more power than the other leaders. Therefore, his own blood would benefit whoever would, wanted that power. Keith remembered what was said about houses in Liverpool and Manchester, but there were also rumours of Mexico, fear of Barcelona. Well, one knew, no one knew for sure who behind the kidnappings, Keith knew he had to act. He waited to, wanted Lucy to stay at home while he investigated. She had refused. She had a bit seen her been to the castle before, and she knew her way round. Lucy insisted she'd be her more help with him than staying behind. Keith reluctantly went along. He wasn't pleased. Before they took off the next morning, Lucy made sure that they brought a couple of swords along with them. She couldn't remind, reminded Keith about cutting off the head, the best way to kill vampire. Keith had done some fencing in college, but not, but even so much to learn about welding a sword. He hoped he would be prepared if he needed to use it. As they arrived at the base of the castle that evening, there were 1,480 1, steps by. They needed to climb, actually, to make it to the entrance. He walked up a lot, long, exhausting as well as haunting. Keith, imagine he was back in the time of the Vadlin Paler. It had been night for someone to go up against a powerful ruler. 
The sounds of wolves howling and those of animal voices made the night eerie as they f- did falling moon shining over them. Dark clouds started to move in, covering its light. Keith joked at least it would be safe from werewolves. Rain began falling. Lucy showed Keith the back entrance to the castle, where they soon they should escape notice. She guided Keith through an old secret passageway used by Vlad centuries ago, which they would lead to the main Katrina's side. They heard what sounded like chanting from a distance and found they followed the voices. When they reached the end, a small crevice in a stone structure enabled them to look through and see what was happening. It was a group of people with red hood cloaks holding hands and chanting. Elizabeth Linda, Vito, Dinty, as well as a couple of unfamiliar faces Keith assumed were the other missing house leaders were tied up in very large chairs. Adrian was tied down on the table and said to the room, a cat's in his arm. One man was collecting blood for his open wounds. At a loss, Keith didn't know what to do. The time was running out. But just then, Lucy not looking over, they discovered they grabbed and brought to the room. While two young, two strong men were holding them, the leader group took off his hood, revealing a hideous creature. If this vampire looked more like Nesafutu than a more elegant creature they had encountered on the trip. There was not a simple hair on his head, including elbows or eyelashes. He was paler than anyone else that came across. His fangs were longer than any of his seen. Managed to herself as Victor, a new leader of the House of Moscow, who admitted to killing the former leader only a few weeks ago, he was slow or moving with the wishes of the house. Victor claimed with that bit aged plus and eventually the blood of other leaders would resemble. He was more power than any vampire since the original child aloof. This with his powers he would not rule only the vampire regions of Europe, but he would use them to bring back the age of the vampire on the earth. At this point, Vex's men removed their swords off of Keith and Lucy, threw them on the ground. Laughing, Victor mocked the two, saying they probably had no idea how to use it begin with. Keith then challenged the pale men, suggesting that it was any semblance of honouring him, settled with a duel, that Victor had a big ego. He went along with the challenge, and assuming he would take out the young men, in no time at all, Victor took one sword and handed it to Keith. Keith had no idea what he was doing for certain. Remembering little of what I had learned in college, he knew he would have to go to do his best shot. When Lucy watched him help him see for the sign, two rivals began. Victor quickly knocked his young challenger down, cutting his shoulder, tearing his shirt. Keith walked straight back up, but he was knocked down again, swiftly by another deaf opponent this time, but still slight to his left leg. Again, Keith sprang up. Victor was a pressy young man's tender necessity. He wanted to finish him off quickly so he could return to the ritual. Keith, however, started to prove. He got his footing and was able to get a short stab into Victor's left arm. Victor shot back quickly and was able to knock out the sword of Keith's hands. Keith rushed to the floor to retrieve it while doing so. Victor was ready to strike his head, but Keith managed to move out of the way just a nick of time. As Keith rose again, he lunged at Victor, stabbing him in his right leg near the bottom. Victor felt fell, but the bottom Keith but before Keith could struck in, gruesome vampires on his feet and laughing. Victor told his adversary that even though he had little training, obviously his lack of skill, he saw a real deep desire that would, could, could be useful. And after his feet, Victor would have the young man turn as he would be a valuable ally. 
it, Keith cried out uh, he had no answer to desire to be a creature of the night of the dead and would just rather be murdered here and now but he promised it would be arranged he began again not to sort out Keith's hands and threw him to the floor he ready his truck again out of nowhere Boris and Guy came in, welded swords of the road, took the nearest man in robes, including the one holding Lucy. Victor stood shot as he too was once. He was the one who planted bombs on their plane. Little did he know Guy and Boris had deported the pride of the building, since then they were in danger. They used Guy's car and headed straight to the castle. Highly skilled with swords, Guy and Boris were able to slay Victor's remaining men, while oh, well, Keith and Lucy freed the other by leaders and Adrian. Victor tried to escape for the secret passage before he was able to do so. Keith picked up his sword one he saw last time and plunged it deep into the creature's back as Victor lay in the ground. Keith cut off his head. Going Boris arranged transport to the house for their leaders. Bid farewell to a fair journey and then on the way. Grateful Adrian thanked Keith and Lucy to help. The radium covered her head to protect his skin. The three returned to the man the next afternoon. When they arrived at the house of progress, they discovered they were not alone. Tony, who Keith thought was a friend, was standing alongside Vlad. She was pointing a gun at them. She explained it to stun Keith and Vlad that Vlad had a mole in the house and found a way to her and groped to get in. Fanny, while not a vampire, associated with the house from Moscow, and with this set, she's promising mortality. She did not speak Clayford as would survive the car, assault the castle, but he did, and she had to be taken care of. Tony Beaming claims she would soon be turned and taken over the house of Moscow in time, carried out, carry out what Vega was unable. She was certain she would one day control the vampire's community. Keith laughed at her and told her she needed to be in the institution. Tony aimed a gun at her scuffer's head. She was getting ready to pull the trigger. Adrian jumped in front of Keith and took the bullet intended for him. He collapsed. Lucy ran over and punched Tony, knocking him unconscious to the floor. Cowley Vad ran out to seek her exit, but before he knew it would happen, he was grabbed by a rough-looking vampire. It was one of the prisoners from the bottom floor. During an attack at the house by the members of Tony's team, and managed to escape the overpowered lad, tearing the young boy's fans clean off in the struggle. Bad in his weakest state, crawled over to Nanny, drained all the blood from the body, but not only taking life, but restoring his strength. He fled to the security of the Roman countryside. Keith was shocked of all that transpired and was hurt by the trio Tanya. Keith spent another week in the city before turning home to the lower over to finish his thesis, began to look the book of history of European vampires. Lucy joined him, hoping to find a teacher job in the area. While Keith returned to the campus, he found that he was great to do something. Such in a cafe, would meet someone as she was dating one of the professors in the history department. She was afraid that Keith would be upset, but Keith told her about Lucy. Keith successfully defended his thesis the following semester. The year took a position as a instructor at Colorado State University. He married Lucy at a lavish marine Budapest. Intendants of the new friends of the vampire community was a family as well as a family flown to expansion the council. They while they would not gain a moment, they were more pleased with the everlasting love they had found each other.